of the Slow Spin Society podcast. I'm Rob, your co-host, and with me, as always, is Paul. What's up, guys? Um, after nine months of weekly podcasts, we're going to do a Q&A um, episode, so we're going to answer as many questions as we possibly can. Looking forward to it. Yeah. If you want to hear more about Paul's move to the south of France, more about modeling and some personal questions from the Q&A episode, um, then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com forward slash Slow Spin Society podcast or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcast. But more about that later. Let's get into the pre-show. Paul. Absolutely. Let's get into the main show, I would say. (laughs) And I'm just going to place like a big fucking bait here. One of the questions we got uh, for like, I put them into the more personal questions, but how much did you spend on bikes uh we're gonna answer that in the after show so if you want to listen to the after show you know what to do yeah yeah so yeah we got uh, a bunch of questions from the discord or the instagram um and we'll Mm -hmm. try to answer them as best as we can first question being by ghost grizzly and he's asking what are you looking forward to which is a really, really wide question for a first question. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If you're speaking in terms of like podcasting or projects or uh, fixed gear, um, I don't know. You can you can go on, Rob. Choose whatever subject suits you best. So uh, I know how to answer this question if it's podcast related. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to when me and Paul get to sit together in the same room and record the podcast. That actually sounds really good. Oh, yeah. That How would good be, would that be? If we, that would be really yeah, nice. Yeah, that would be nice, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking. You know, like, I'm And I'm then usually... we could interview a guest. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm looking yeah. uh, at those, like, podcasts where they also have a video version. And... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking when they're all sitting around like cozy yeah. and like chatting away and like exactly. sh- shooting the shit together. They have like those yeah. really, really yeah. nice like um, armchairs or whatever and those yeah, yeah. thousand of dollars of microphones above their head and like... like and headphones. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like sipping on some, I don't know, whiskey or gin or whatever and they're like, yeah, you know, I think the, <laughs> um, I think the market is going to crash blah, blah, blah. It was like god damn <laughs> i think we should get to that point at some point yeah that's what i'm looking forward to i would love that i would love to have like you know like a podcasting space that would be great yeah yeah that would yeah. be awesome i guess you can take the next question the next question then uh this is by o underscore your gay pro gay pro your gay pro um, i don't know what should be the standard length for stem on a fixed gear? What should what should be the standard length for a stem on fixed gear? There is no standard length for a stem on fixed gear. The length of the stem is dependent on the the rider and the size of the frame. I I, I guess. Um, 
I disagree. What? Yeah. What? I, I disagree. You think this is standard? As to, I think 110 or 120 is the, are the best looking sizes out of every size. Aesthetically, yeah. yeah. And but that's not the step. <laughs> and I personally choose my frames, like size of frame, so I can have around 16 or 17 centimeters of seat post and 100 or 100, uh, 110 or 120 stem. I do the same. I, 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 I look for around 15 centimeters of seat post and a 90 millimeter stem on all my bikes. 90 millimeter? 90 millimeter is just a tad too short for me, visually. 110. 110 just affects the steering too much for me. Ah, you see, that's interesting. I, I come, I come from a BMX background, and my my cockpit needs to be quite short. I need to be able to turn it like super fast. And these road guys are like 130 millimeter, where they just go in a straight line, and you can't steer. Meh, meh, and it looks too long. It looks too long. 130 starts too long to look really long, but yeah, oh, but no. 120 is fine. Yeah, 120 is fine. <laughs> there is a fine balance, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I think to answer the question, though, if because if someone's top half of their body is longer than their legs, they're going to need a longer stem. Yeah. Some people with super long arms have to run a long stem to get the, the back position right and the reach right. Or somewhat of a really long frame. But yeah, I get that. Yeah. Next question is by Vic yeah. Weiyu, um, and he's asking, yeah, what's the most asked question about Vic's gear? Uh, <laughs> I have a good answer for that, but I'll, I'll let you yeah. go first. What is it? If, it's, if I'm talking to non-specific fixed gear people, or if I'm talking to fixed gear people, it's a di two different questions. Yeah. I'd say the first question, if it's non-fixed gear people, they say, what is fixed gear? How do you break, bro? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you break that kind of like, what, what, what are you riding? And then it's like, yeah. Or I think a lot of the, a lot of people ask, how much is your bike? How expensive? Oh, yeah, that's true. I get that quite a bit. Yeah, that's I get true. that one quite a bit. Or like, where did you buy it? Well, in various <laughs> places, because you can't buy it like that, you know? So many people mm. are like, yeah, what can I get the same bike? And like, you can't. You can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that quite a bit. You know, like, there's a lot of things in fixed gear that, because it's a small community, that are, like, limited runs or limited paint jobs mm. or stuff like that and no you can't get the same because it doesn't exist anymore it's not available or you're not going to be able to put your hands on that special chain ring slash whatever parts yeah, insert yeah. here um yeah it's just it is unique it's the not... effort someone would have to go to to replicate and the exact build of someone else would just not be worth it yeah, it is not a Toyota. That's what I meant. You, you can't have the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I'll take the next question. Uh-huh. Uh I think I I think I might know who this one is from. Uh <laughs> this is a good question. <laughs> It's a tricky question. <laughs> Would you rather never ride carbon wheels again or <laughs> specifically only ride bullhorns? <laughs> <laughs> a question from I, I like track bikes on Instagram, uh, who is a big listener of the show, so he knows. He knows. <laughs> Berlin rider. Yeah. What about you? I would never want to ride bullhorns. So that's. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. So, yeah, absolutely same. I, yeah, and I don't ride much carbon to be honest. So. Yeah. Well. I mean, as as I'm always saying, like a good pair of aluminium rims will be superior to a bad pair of carbon wheels. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that I never ride bullhorns and carbon wheels meant that I will uh, save a lot of money. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could probably get something else to, to have my fix of carbon wheels. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Although oh, yeah. I have very uh, more recent, more recently been thinking, I would love to upgrade to a set of carbon wheels on one of my bikes. On the um, on the engine? No, on the Magnum now. Oh, interesting. Oh yeah, you put you did put drops on your Magnum recently. I did put drops on my Magnum recently, and they're still on right now. They're in front of me, but I've got to say I'm not keeping them on when my new mm. length, when my new handlebar arrives. Oh. I ordered the, uh, I would have liked to order the Thompson Titanium, but I ordered the Thompson Downhill. Uh, the Thompson Downhill, bar. like titanium yeah. or like normal, normal bar? No, no, standard. Standard. standard yeah. I would have liked to order the Titanium one, yeah. But the Titanium is like $300. Yeah, but it looks so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It has, well, it's Titanium. <laughs> On to our next question by Sean Myler. Most annoying things like cold feet, dirty chains, balls hanging out of underpants, <laughs> and other shenanigans <laughs> like this. <sighs> Most annoying things. I mean, like a crunchy chain is just oh, so that's annoying. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, I hate the dirty chain. I hate it. Ah, oh, man, it really, really gets to me when my chain is dirty. Ah. Oh. I mean, I don't, I, I don't mind that. a dirty chain. It could be black as hell, and I wouldn't mind that much. But if it's crunchy, it's just a big no-no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sand or grit. Yeah, Oof. definitely. Yeah. And yeah, cold feet. Uh, I hate that. But something else that I hate. Uh, well, balls hanging out of underpants never happened to me, and. No, uh, no, no, yeah. neither. Not gonna extend on that one. <laughs> But do you know what I really dislike? Uh, yeah, tell me. Do you know that light that is a set of balls that hangs on the back of the saddle? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I just don't want to ride behind someone with a, a a sack of balls hanging from their saddles, flashing red. Yeah, that's not for me. Something that triggers my eyes. It's not like that. I hate it, but it. it triggers me pretty badly is um you know the the old school style of having like a big 
deep dish uh, carbon wheels in the front and a very shallow aluminum rim in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And when I see yeah. people doing the reverse of that, so like big dish in the back and really thin rim in the front, kind of triggers me, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I mean, uh, my girlfriend told me last time that, that that's what she would do if she only had like one dip dish. And I was like, why? She told me like, oh, because like, you know, like you're putting, there's more power in the back. So if the bike is, if the back is lighter or if the back is more aero, it works better. From the mind of someone that is not in cycling, I totally understand. You know, it kind of looks like a Hot Wheels car when you have like the very big back wheel and the small and the small <laughs> front wheel. But you know, it's actually reverse. Like you need your aero features in the front, and the back is not that important. Uh, but yeah, that thing that that's the kind of thing that triggers me. And yeah, yeah. apart from that, I would say uh, lastly, like when you aren't prepared for rain mid-ride and it's just yeah, hard yeah. pouring and you are with your t-shirt and your camera and nothing is waterproof and you're like great <laughs> yeah I, I hate being wet while riding unless you like fully committed and you go and you're like right i've got 20k to get home and it's raining but i'm getting home i don't care i'll just yeah. go for it so keep warm soak all soak myself go all the way through but when you've got to go somewhere across the city and you haven't prepared and you get wet and you're like oh no uh, is there any other shenanigans that annoy me no no i think we covered that one yeah oizen boizen in the house yo-yo is from the next question is from yo-yo a friend of mine um who is your dream guest Boys and boys, and it's you. You're my dream guest. <laughs> Best answer. Best possible answer. Um, I don't have a dream guest, to be honest. Uh, no, as right now. Um, there's a lot of people that I want to interview. Um, maybe someone that would be more difficult to interview, but I really want to interview is Mike Burrow. Um. Mm. If you don't know who Mike Burrow is, just type his name uh, in Google and you'll see that he's basically the daddy of carbon monocoque frames. Um, and uh. yeah, he he created some math thing. He's the creator of the um, Lotus 110, the, that carbon track oh. bike that just, you know, like creates a new wave of bikes and how people are thinking about aero and... He's a genius that he's just hanging out in his garage, making more carbon stuff and more weird bikes. And yeah, amazing dude. Uh, he's somewhere in England. I don't, I don't know exactly where, but I would really want to interview him. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be yeah. really cool. I'd love to speak to Ola Walsh. She rides for the Irish uh, Olympic track team. Oh, yeah. I've been following her on Instagram, and she seems cool. I'd really like to. Um, I sent her a message. She didn't, to her. She didn't Irish. reply to me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do you want to come on the podcast? No answer. And I was like, okay. 
She's got like 200,000 followers, so I guess she gets a lot of inbox messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to to reach to her. Um, maybe a mail. I don't know. What, we'll like, a, like a letter? A letter. A letter in a bottle. A letter in a bottle. Uh, next question's from Dennis. <laughs> yeah, you can take this one. All right. Do you hate wearing glove during the winter as much as I do? Okay, that's kind of a tricky one. I don't mind wearing gloves uh, during the winter. The only problem is like if I don't know where I'm going and I have a GPS on my phone and I need to constantly take off my gloves to yeah. see where I am on my phone and then take like put my gloves back on um, every two minutes. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, definitely. But apart from that, mm. I don't hate wearing gloves. And I actually, uh, I don't wear gloves. I, I wear, um, um, how do you say that in English? The thing where you have all your fingers together apart from your thumb. Thumb, sorry. Guess what it's called? It's called fingerless gloves. <laughs> yeah, fingerless gloves. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wear those because no breaks. So you don't, don't need fingers. Do your fingertips not just get cold? No, because they're together. So, you know, they're, they're, they're warm with each other. <laughs> I've never... Why don't you just then have, like, one left glove with all fingers and one right glove with just your thumb and your forefinger for your phone? Ah, uh, because it's asymmetrical thing? and I don't like it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Hey, Dennis. I hate wearing gloves in general, yeah. I really don't like wearing gloves to either ride in or do anything in, yeah. I On and off, using your phone, yeah, they're just just a nightmare, I think, gloves. But, mm. yeah, but, but you have to in the winter. I don't, I don't like wearing my tighties underneath my trousers or my thermal top underneath my T-shirt, underneath my hoodie, underneath my jacket, underneath two pairs of socks underneath a scarf, underneath a woolly hat and uh, in the winter because you just sweat tons <laughs> and you get hot super quick, but then it's cold if you stop. So, yeah, in general, winter, I think, is hard. I think riding all the way through the winter can be hard. A woolly hat? Is that the really British way to say a beanie? Yeah, a woolly hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. A woolly hat. Put your woolly hat on. No, 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 you can't say that. <laughs> okay, I, okay, that's that's definitely my age uh, and my beanie. Okay, no, I'm not a big fan of like multiple layers too. Uh, I just like to have like one heat tech, one hoodie and one jacket to cut the wind. But that's my yeah. max like top. Mm. Can have more. I need, I need to feel free, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need some breathable space. I agree. Exactly. Well, you can text the next question from Vic Weyu. Is there an order to learn tricks? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, there's not a specific order, no. But learning to skid, learning to track stand, uh, learning the balance of the bike definitely are the first things I would learn. And then wheelie and fakie riding backwards. Yeah. Um, 
little bunny hops in the beginning. I would go like bunny first because it is so practical for everyday writing. Yeah, 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 that's true. And then uh, fish and ships. Probably, ah, yeah, yeah, fish and ships, and then, um, Fakey, Keo, and Willy when you have time to learn how to Willy. Yeah, I think learning to ride backwards for short distances is definitely a quicker progression than trying to wheelie. I think taking learn well personally anyway, learning to wheelie was harder than riding backwards. So I would, yeah, I think I'd go with Paul's, with your uh, list order in fakey, and then, yeah, then riding, then wheelie. I mean, it's definitely not, def it is not a definitive order, but, uh, you know, I think, um, yeah, Bunny Hop is just so practical. There's no doubt on that. And then Fish and Ships, you can't really hurt yourself learning fish and ships. Yeah. I think those are the basics that you can start kind of learning all together in, in really, if you've got a flat space of ground, a flat space somewhere. Yeah. Learning to ride backwards in a small circle, starting to learn to wheelie, just pulling the front end up, getting the weight back. Um, little bunny hops, yeah, like you said, Paul, it's so practical to be able to jump up and down on a curb on the street if you're in traffic. You always need to be able to get up at least, you know, four or five inches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially if you're in a city with there where the sidewalks are so high compared to the street, definitely learning how to bunny up can get you out of out of some tricky situation. And our next question is from Tomhome13. He's asking how to wheelie, please not from Carl. <laughs> I guess. Does that, does that mean that's not from Carl? Yeah, that's not from the Carl episode, he means. Yeah. Uh, how to wheelie? You're, you're probably going to explain that better than me. Um, yeah, so it's a lot to do with your hips. Uh, you need your forward foot needs to be coming through the rotation and reaching the high point. And then you push hard down with your front foot going down in the forward motion, pull up with your arms and your hips, keep your arms kind of straight with a little bit of bend in them, not too straight, but just a little bit of bend in lean back with the bike and pedal forward. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Uh, learning to fall off the back. So just going too high is really important so that you get used to just landing on your feet. And going too low is important because you've just got to find the middle point between going off the back and dropping down on your front wheel back down onto the floor. So to find that point where your balance is correct, you need to be able to go off the back comfortably and also comfortably fall your front wheel back to the ground. One tip I could give uh, everyone listening that worked really, really good for me. Uh, so for example, my strong foot is my right one and I was putting my, so kind of impulsion, right? Impulse uh, was mm -hmm. uh, my right foot. Uh, and I was constantly leaning 
to the right because you know I was just pushing on my pedal, uh, my right pedal, so I was leaning to the right. Uh, what I learned is um, rather than going strong onto that pedal stroke to lift my front wheel, uh, I was kind of having like a prep semi-strong pedal stroke on my left foot so when my mm. left foot is forward like semi-strong on that one and then a real with like have the intention of lifting my front wheel and then a strong one was the right one to lift my front wheel um and that kind of solved the left right unbalanced uh thing that i had trouble with at the beginning but yeah that's a that's a quick tip that worked well for me but i think if you ask around you everybody has um different stuff that uh it worked yeah, for themselves yeah. i like that i like your uh the you're forgetting the forward momentum with your left and then bringing your front foot round nice yeah. to keep keep the momentum yeah i like that well our next question is from main schwester leone and he's asking did y'all ever ride drunk or high as fuck and if yes tell us <laughs> uh, um just a quick one i didn't realize tone.miller was tyrone hey tyrone just want to say a good question um do i ever drink and ride. I drink and ride for sure. I go at the pub and I go out with friends. Uh, I don't smoke high. I don't get high as fuck and ride because if I'm having a small joint, I will be at home in the safety of my own house with some food and somewhere comfortable to lie down. That's, I don't smoke that much anymore. I'm older and I don't enjoy it as much. But yeah, I'll drink and drive, but not get too drunk. I really need to not put it out of context. Yeah, I drink and drive. Oh, no, no, no problem. Uh, don't drink and drive if you're driving a car. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I drink and ride a bike. Sorry, I drink yeah. and ride a bike. Um, <laughs> well, for myself, I don't uh, drink alcohol anymore and uh, I don't smoke. Um, but I used to drink and I've been riding quite drunk Um uh, it happened to me and yes it did happen uh I, we were then taking small streets you know like was as less traffic as possible and rather than taking 20 minutes to go home uh we're taking probably like two hours um uh, yeah i would say <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. correct that's that's the other thing, yeah. Uh, this being said, uh, I have a friend that just broke his collarbone uh, two days ago by riding completely drunk. Um, and he just crashed on his own. And he was with a friend and the friend called the, you know, like, uh, 911 emergency. I don't know. Uh, and I'm glad he was with that friend because if he was completely alone, who knew what could have happened? But mm. uh, so, I mean, do it at your own risk, I guess. Uh, I I can't I can't recommend uh, doing it, or I can't tell you like, oh yeah, no, it's totally fine. Uh, if you do it, then you you're on your own. But yeah. Uh, yeah. 
as long as you have control over yourself and you know your limits and everything, then uh, I guess you're fine. But you just don't forget that you are playing into traffic and cars and, um, you know, like if you crash with a car, you you're definitely not winning. Even with a helmet, even with whatever you want, uh, you're not the one winning in, into that situation. So mm -hmm. be careful out there. That's all yeah. I can tell you. Yeah, I know someone has some people have had really bad accidents. So just be very careful. Yeah, so, yeah, it's not worth it. If you cannot do it, don't do it. If you have to do it, be very careful. Yeah. And uh, on the other side, you know, I had a friend, a really, really good friend, and he had like a fatal crash. And uh, and that was like a year and a half ago. And he was just going home from a party. He doesn't drink, but the driver was drunk as fuck. And mm. it, it just, you know, smashed. And that's it. He's gone. Not his fault. He was not drunk. So when you're coming back from parties or pubs or stuff, um, even if um, I know because I do it too, like mashing around the city when it's like at night because there is no one is so much fucking fun. Yeah, yeah. Just be careful to, I mean, just remember to really look around you because there's always a drunk asshole around the corner. Yeah. Be careful out there, guys. On to the next question. Yeah, by Floki. Floki. Folky. Do I know which is like Folky. an active member of our discord come join our discord uh, okay it's hey, fun yeah i know i need to get on the discord yeah pete <laughs> said that to me last week yeah um which hubs do you prefer low or high flange good question i'll let you answer that one paul definitely low i think i know what you're gonna say 100 low was our dirt low really yeah oh no i'm the opposite i like high flange it's okay to be the opposite. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> we don't agree on something twice in this episode. What's going on? Oh my God. Um, yeah. I definitely prefer visually high flange. I think aesthetically it looks way better on a track bike. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a low flange guy. I don't know it's, if it's because the aesthetic or... Um, I don't know. I just like a low flange more. Or... And if if I take a fill as a reference, the fill is just so bulky. You know, the high flinch one is just such a big chunk of aluminum. Uh, but yeah, if great. I take like dry subs, then I like the high flanges more. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I do. I think that I think you're right. Actually, the fill would. High flange is a bit too chunky. Where the Jura is, mm, even the DT Swiss, they're just elegant. Yeah, or like old school high flange hubs, like Companion Sheriffs or stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely more my cup of, of tea. But in terms of modern uh, hubs, definitely low flange. Mm hmm. Um, I say I like high flange, but I have low flange on all my bikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I like both. I definitely like both, but I, I think visually I like a classic Dura-A style high flange. 
practically I like low flange, uh, especially yeah the modern stuff. Low flange stuff looks great. Um, it depends on the bike as well. I think. I think high flange can work better on some builds like NGS stuff, steel stuff, one inch stuff. But I think on a modern build, I think um, uh, low flange looks great. Well, I have a question for you. Uh, following mm-hmm. that one, are you more a nuts guy or a bolts guy? I much prefer male and female axles. Which mean bolt, bolt, bolt. not nut. And you? Yeah, and a bolt all the yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Allen key for the win. Yeah, yeah, Allen key for the win. If I can not have. If I can only use Allen keys to fix my bike and aesthetically a bolt looks great compared to an axle with a nut. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I know, I know 15 millimeter nut is the old way, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the yeah, OG yeah, way, yeah. but bolt is just so fucking much more practical. I don't want to carry around a 15 so millimeter more. flat wrench with me when <laughs> I'm going bagpacking. Exactly. So, yeah. Oh, ever, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I want a multi-tool with everything on it. Exactly. So, yeah, no, bolt all the way. All the way. No, I think on an NGS classic build with a high flange Dura is, I think I would prefer to see that with a nut, though. True. Not a bolt. I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? It really depends, isn't it? Yeah, it depends on the build. Yeah. Well, makes sense, then. Our next question is from, I guess, Ivan Fixed, which is asking us, what do you think is the next big trend on the fixed gear scene? I would start by, what is the last big trend in the fixed gear thing? Wide bars? I would have to say track lacrosse. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Wide bars, it's like, what, 2010? No, 2015? Yeah, 2015. 2015, yeah. Yeah. 2015. And then... And then track lacrosse is... Track lacrosse is still still a trend, though, really. It's still... Oh, yeah, it is still itself. out there. But yeah. the next big thing, I don't know where people are going to take their track bike next. To the moon? No, I don't know. <laughs> I would, I would think, I would phrase it slightly different in terms of a trend. I'd say I think fixed fixed gear has now a bit more of an opportunity to become a bit more mainstream. I think bigger brands might start looking at it, and it might become a bit more like skateboarding, a bit more like BMX, uh, mm. potentially in the next few years. Um, it's, you know, the fashion side of things. If you look at, like, the guys like KTF and FTW and all the crews and everyone, it kind of looks m- more um, more modern than it always has done. And I think uh, more and more brands are going to like that. Um, so I think it has a t- maybe not a trend, but a potential to change. So what you're I'd saying say. is the next big thing could be that uh brands like big brands like for example giant specialized or track would do track yeah. bikes again yeah yeah i think so yeah 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 that, that makes sense yeah if like carhartt and vans or uh, red bull or something gets behind it which i think is going to happen something 
putting on events or using it even in its marketing campaigns instead of like Carhartt could easily use fixed gear riders in their modeling campaign. Yeah. Uh, but it depends who uses it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right. Um, when I see the last generation of um, of fixed gear we had from the big brand, so the Trek T1, I believe, and then the Giant Omnium, mm -hmm. the um, mm -hmm. Specialized Langster, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, the we could definitely get yeah. a new round of those, uh, more modern. Uh, I don't know if yeah. those brands are going to make something affordable or not. I hope so. But yeah. Have you look? have you seen that look has just released a new bike? No. They released the, the, I don't know, like 455 or 456. I, I never remember the name of those bikes, but basically the Vitesse version of their previous um, Criterion bike. And it's mm -hmm. like, it, it gets m more uh, out of the actual T20, which is like the Olympic level bike, rather than the their actual Criterion bike. So it's, you know, it's like, like the integrated uh, stem, and mm -hmm. all carbon and everything um and oh my god it's it's a beautiful bike i'll put it in the show notes uh yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful bike it so it is supposed to be a chipper alternative to the t20 which is mm -hmm. so expensive but that one is still i mean it's a carbon frame but it is still like i think four thousand five hundred euros or something like that <laughs> so okay. yeah but so i'll not rush out and get it no no it's a nice looking bike by matthew what do you think about wabi cycles and zach gallardo's youtube videos i'll go first on that one i think he's putting interesting content out there i appreciate that he recently put out like a a series of short videos for like you know understanding better like bottom bracket standards and everything so mm -hmm. that's good to get more people into the culture i would say that he have used the same b-rolls for the last three years now uh it's always the same b-rolls and uh, i would like him to shoot new stuff that'd be nice <laughs> uh but yeah, I think I think those videos are interesting. Um, I look at them sometimes, and, and I think he went from kind of cheesy videos to um, something that has a real identity and is really interesting to watch. One thing I would add, though, is um, in each and every one of his videos, for like a 10 minutes video or 8 minutes videos, Two minutes of ad, of pure advertising of Wabi Cycles is way too much. You know, like, it's like, I don't know, sometimes it's almost, it's almost one quarter of the video dedicated to advertising the same brand for the last 20 episodes. Uh, yeah. So, no. Uh, I know Wabi Cycle is, like, a good and solid brand, but... That's just way too much advertising. 
and that's something that I don't support. I agree with Paul on this one. <laughs> you know what? I agree. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> that worked. That's so well. I'll take the next question by Sal Bezizums. Oh, I'm terrible with these names. I, really I couldn't apologize. read that either, but let's just call it Slab. <laughs> slab, yeah. Would like to know more in brackets shortly about the frame building course. I, I guess I did. Which company was it? Is it worth doing? Uh, and... Did I have former welding experience and stuff like that? Um, the decision to do a frame building course was that, like I said earlier, I'd moved back from London, moved back to the UK, moved back to Newcastle, and was looking for a new potential business project, uh, whatnot, different routes to go down, different things to try. I thought about frame building as a potential, maybe a potential career, whether I like the process. So I did do a 12-week welding course at, in TIG welding, but it definitely wasn't necessary to doing the course, just saying. I only did that in preparation for myself. It was fun to do. It was affordable, and it was a good course to do. Um, the course itself was with Big Forest Frameworks, in Potsdam, the guy is called Rob. He's absolutely outstanding, lovely guy. Uh, I couldn't recommend his course anymore. It's, it's really, really good. Um, you meet with Rob, you discuss the geometry and the style of frame you want to build. Um, you work out everything, size, spec, whatever, tubing. And he lets you do everything from start to finish. I mean, he helps you, but but he just shows you what to do. And then you, you cut every tube to the size you want. You file it back, you shape it, and you do every weld. And the process is definitely worth doing. 100% if you have the opportunity to do something like that, I would highly recommend it. It's It's a wonderful process. Sounds really good. I really, I, I would really like to do like a frame building course. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's a really really nice process, and riding your own bike is a, 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 on its own something amazing. I love it. So that being said, my uh, my bike is actually in a museum at the moment, and has been declared as a piece of German uh, cultural. Um, uh, ferret uh, foundation or something it's a part of um, an exhibition going on here in berlin at the moment and it's going to be in a gallery until march next year no shit just saying yeah 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 wow. so um the, the woman that's yeah the woman that's publishing the book for me is also a she's she was a photographer uh, she had a photography agency and she, she puts on exhibitions and she was doing this um Exhibition, it's called um, The Roadshow, The Easy Rider Roadshow. And it was six cargo bikes with huge, big, uh, fold-out photography works on them. So she'd drive, ride them to different parts of Berlin and put this exhibition on live every Sunday or every, I think it was every Saturday or Sunday, 
over the summer in different locations. She then curated that exhibition into a gallery space in Berlin and invited other um, different photographers and different exhibitions to go together to create one big roadshow about bikes. And she invited Fix Berlin to have a section in there. So we have a section on the Alicat scene in Berlin. We also have a bit of history and photos and videos from Fix Berlin. And also my bike is hanging with a small text about it in Berlin, uh, in the gallery as well. So that, that, Your bike is cool. literally into a museum. Isn't that the coolest shit ever? Yeah, man. Oh, I'm super stoked. <laughs> I'm super stoked. Oh, my it's God. It's really, really good. We were... We were there for the open night on Friday night last week and we did tricks in the, the huge big, because uh, it used to be a church, this museum. So nobody's ever ridden a bike in the, the main hall. And me and Matty were allowed to do tricks for the first 10 minutes while everyone stood around, like 80 guests stood around, watched, applauded and cheered. And then after we'd finished tricking the the... The curator of the, the exhibition had a talk and then everyone went through and walked around the exhibition. And then it, the last room is the fixed Berlin room. And uh, it was really, really nice experience. Um, it was really nice being in the final room and people are looking at the bike and looking at the videos. And me and Matty were just there and people were just asking us questions. And it was it was really nice. Man, that's awesome. You, you might as well be the trick version of Eddie Merckx in Berlin. Bike in a museum, people asking you questions and shit. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Good experience. Just a question yeah. on to the, the frame building course. So you arrive there, uh -huh. you ask for uh, and pay, I guess, for a set of tubings, and then you go home with your frame? Is that how that work? Yeah. Yeah, so um, you send via email before, or if you're in Berlin, I guess you can visit, but you talk about like the specifications of geometry first before you even get there. So Rob will have printed out the, the geometry on, on A4 paper for the, the build itself. The first day, Rob has a huge selection of Columbus, Reynolds, tubings, uh, and whether you're building a lugged frame or your your standard um, he uses brazed bronze so you 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 weld it with bronze or gold depending or silver depending on how uh, intricate the weld is like a small weld like your dropout will be done with either gold or silver because it runs thinner mm -hmm. and quicker than bronze so bronze is used for your main your main your bottom bracket your your headset your head tube and your seat your main joints Um, but you'll use gold and silver in your uh, neater joints. Um, that's why you see the bronze over the metal on um, on some frames, like mine's still raw. And then at the end of the week, yeah, you, you finish it off and you, you walk away with the frame. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, yeah, for, if, if, for example, I want to I wanna go there, Does Rob speaks uh, English too, or is the course in German? No, the course is in English. Rob's actually American, but he's lived in Germany a long time, so he speaks fluent German and English. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's big forest frameworks. Can we put that in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes, yeah. 
Cool. Cool. Awesome. Lovely guy. I would I would love to do like a frame building course. I mean, Rob, mainly, mainly spe- uh, most of the bikes I've seen, if you look at his Instagram, he does stunning work. Most of the stuff is kind of gravel or road. Um, doing a track frame, you can actually do it in realistically three and a half, four days because um, there's no cables. There's, yeah. there's, it's, it's far easier than building a gravel bike. There's just a lot less complications. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, yeah. Uh, if you, I would recommend if you're doing it, I mean, unless you're really obsessed with track bikes, I would do, and you're spending the money, I would do a, a gravel or road bike, probably a gravel bike. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I love my fixie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love my steel. <laughs> okay, I take that back. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question is by Davarino, uh, which is also an active member of our Discord. And he's asking, is there some kind of overlap between people who race track bikes and those who are into fixier culture? One thing I've noticed is there is very little to no overlap in Australia. And I think it's... Uh, it's a little bit like this everywhere. There's a lot of people that are are every day out there on the velodrome doing crazy times. And they don't know that it was possible to try to fix gear on the street, for example. Uh, And I also think we need those kind of people, you know, because... There is always that guy that had spent his entire life into a velodrome, doesn't know that his track bike is worth hundreds to the eyes of a fixed gear rider and will sell it for barely nothing. Crazy. Um, What do you think? I definitely don't, I agree. I don't see many people that race actually riding fixed gear on the street at all. I think it's kind of a different culture. Um, There's some people that I know kind of race fixed gear and crit, but not in the velodrome. Uh, The crit riders sometimes ride it on the street, Um, but definitely I don't know a single velodrome racer really, apart from an Instagram. But they don't, when, when for what I see, they don't really ride it on the street. Yeah. But it would be nice. I think you're right. I think it would be nice to collab or, or mix with that kind of culture because for me, it's, it's fixed gear. Yeah, I like it a lot as well. Yeah. Um, and by the time you will be listening to that, there is an article on the blog about uh, my short trip to the World Championship in Roubaix. And how proper track cycling is something crazy, you know, like, I mean, of course it is, that was the world championship. So it is at the highest level possible, but holy shit, track cycling at a professional level is super cool. Uh, Just a quick note. I did listen to the episode with Ashton this week or last week, and it's Uh a really good episode. Oh, I really liked him. He's He's such a dude. He's yeah. such a dude. Yeah, I really, really like that episode. Okay, next question. Um, Jay Putaka. Jay Putaka. Why do you think there is such an obsession with weight and speed in the fixed gear scene? 
Mm. Um, personally, I don't see it here in Berlin that much that people are obsessed with weight. People are definitely obsessed with speed and want to go faster and faster and faster than everyone else. But weight, mm, I don't see many people really fighting for that many grams in, in here in Berlin anyway. I mean, if by weight you mean carbon, then yeah, there's an obsession around that. Ah, yeah. Um, I mean, I can see it in the group rise in Paris. Uh, people tend to go carbon wells before even having a set of aluminum rims. Um, and people will go carbon yeah. frames as soon as they can, even if it's like a Plat X or which is a good frame. It's a good carbon frame. It's an affordable carbon frame, but it is for me, it is not, um, on the same level as a good aluminum frame. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree with that entirely. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like, yeah, there's definitely an obsession around, carbon and speed why is there such an obsession i don't know i think there is part of it is a dick contest to see who has like the most banger yeah. bike um yeah. and the other part of it is you know people just like good looking stuff and to a lot of people good looking equals uh thick aluminium uh thick carbon rims and thick carbon frame and that stuff mm. so yeah yeah i think if you put together a bike with a modern aluminium frame most come with a carbon fork i don't think there's really an aluminium yeah. fork out there you put you put uh, a decent seat post stem handlebar cranks wheels on it For me, I'd, I would never really fight for to lose any more weight than that. I don't need my bike ever to be that light. I've never even really, I weigh them when I build them, but I never, yeah, for me, yeah, it doesn't really matter so much. Yeah. I, I just think that, especially in the fixed gear street scene, you don't need to be that light or that arrow if you are no, no if way. you're riding in the streets i mean and even if your bike is aero as hell you're riding wide bars so <laughs> that is not aero um but it certainly looks good so yeah that's that's probably mm -hmm. why there's also what is so beautiful in the fixed gear scene is all those nonsense that makes things so great you know so Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. the, but there is definitely an obsession about about yeah that, hundred percent. Yeah, um, I'll let you take the next one. All right, uh, George Facebook is asking, can I race a still frame? Simple answer is yes. Uh, I don't see why you couldn't. Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Go for it. Um, either if it's like Criterium or Velodrome or whatever, like it, it will work. No problem. I mean, steel, steel NGS bikes have been raised for, uh, since the beginning of track bikes. Exactly. And, um, I've, I've, I'm writing my mash work to the Velodrome. I'm writing uh, my mash work to like long ride or distance ride or, um, so yeah, you can race a still frame, um, and 
it, it will it will just work i would just put i would probably put though um a set of really really stiff wheels on it to kind of balance mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the flexibility that the frame can give you um but apart from that that's pretty much it yeah i agree with that and our last question for this episode last but not least yeah interesting question actually and i think uh, a lot of people will resonate with this how do you get bike friends i mean how do you, i guess the question is kind of how do you build your own if you're in a smaller city smaller town how do you build a bike kind of scene do you think that's what the question is kind of going for? yeah like how yeah how to get bike friends if you're if you're in a major city and you you're riding on your own then there's a bunch of yeah social media platforms forums uh night rides join the rides um things like that i think if you're in a smaller city and you're on your own just yeah just try and start a night ride try and start a forum try and start a platform where you can invite people to i'm sure you'll find other people have similar interests and have uh even if it's not just fixed gear in the beginning, even if you just start with anyone riding and then you can build it into a fixed gear if, if that's what you like. Yeah. And uh, if, if you're really in a, in a place where there is no one like the one I am, actually, <laughs> um, because <laughs> fixed gear is definitely not the, the sport around here. Um, well, take the train and go see the towns or cities around that might have more riders and um, i know that in two in the two hours ride i can be in toulouse or in bordeaux and i know like there's plenty mm. of riders over there um yeah um who have regular events etc so yeah um and how to get friends especially well <laughs> just writing with people connecting with them and you, yeah. i think you got friends pretty easily um your bike or others people bikes shouldn't enter into consideration to see if you're going to be their friends or not um, <laughs> there are some good people there are some good people with shitty bikes and there is some not interesting at all people with really really nice bikes uh yeah that's definitely oh, a shitty bikes good people uh, shitty shitty bikes good people sh shitty people good bikes <laughs> sometimes. yeah sometimes not always but so that's a t-shirt yeah that's, that's a t-shirt <laughs> uh, i'm writing that one down uh, but but yeah no uh, i think I think, especially since it's such a tight community, if you show people uh, that you have the same point of interest, there's no way why you guys shouldn't be friends. That's, yeah, yeah. I feel it's really... Me and you are friends from writing. Yeah. I like, I, I like what you just said. I mean, yeah, two hours on the train once a month and go join a night ride in a city that you know has, you know, regular events. Like I know Bordeaux has quite a good scene. If you, you, you know, two hours, one, one, one day a month or whatever, meet the, meet the guys out riding, guys and girls out riding, go for the night ride, see who you connect with. Yeah. Chat, make friends like that. Exactly. Like and that. then 
from those connections go to more events or you know like yeah start connecting with people that are closer to you than you might have think or stuff like that so yeah no definitely mm -hmm. like just go to um a, a group ride and i would say if if you want to make friends um go to something uh physical you know uh, because i know i mean internet groups are nice to connect people with each other but internet groups are not my thing um i'd rather go mm. something to something that is like physical that's my personal yeah. opinion and that's on that personal opinion that I guess we're gonna end the show for this week. One more thing that you would like to say, Rob, before I do the outro. Um, great questions. Thank you everyone for listening. It's really um, amazing that we have such a good following of people into bikes and into the podcast. Uh, I can't send out my gratitude enough. I think it's amazing. I'm really enjoying doing this with you, Paul, and uh, I hope we can keep keep it going. And um, thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for all of your questions and your support. Um, that was that was a pretty good episode. I'm happy that we could answer like that many questions. Well, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog slowspinsighty.com. You can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or with our Instagram account at slowspinsidey and at kerzy.co for Rob. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show or by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not considering putting value back in either by supporting us on Apple Podcasts with their new subscription program or by visiting patreon.com slash slow spin society podcast to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week we are now at 26 patreons thank you so much for your support the music for the show is lovely swindler by maria and the illustration well is by me this was episode 42 and what that means is we're 10 episodes away from one full year of podcasting. Um, and yeah, that will that will mark things. Uh, and I, I think uh, it will be like a big step for, for us, for yeah. all of us, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, I guess we'll see you guys next Monday. Have a good one. Bye-bye.